All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing's nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth-building market insights. Schreiber, and this is Bull Bear Radio. It is the 50th episode of uh, Bull Bear Radio. We've got a special one here lined up for you. Today, we've got Batman. Batman is back. He's in the Bull Bear Cave today. And uh, we've got Douglas Jonas, the head of ETF uh, product, exchange-traded products at the New York Stock Exchange with us, Doug. Listen, it's always fantastic to be here. First of all, congratulations on 5-0. Thanks. F- 50 episodes I'm is, feeling is impressive. Uh, and I know for me, I'm sure your listeners feel the same way, every intro fires me up. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I get excited every single good, time. So good. is that you playing the guitar? Is that Don? No, 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 no. That's, 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 uh, that's neither. You know, I, I think we bought that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was package. Okay. We, you know, so yeah, we... Uh, I think it's fitting, though, for what we're doing. We're trying to be a fun financial podcast, bring good good information to folks, and that's why we have you here today. Yeah, listen, uh, finance is exciting, right? There's always something happening. Yeah. There's always news, and there's always uh, a reason to, to get involved and get thinking about your investments. There is, and it's changing. I mean, we were just talking on the way down to cut the podcast here today. You guys are busy over at the New York Stock Exchange. Last year was a big birthday for you guys. That's right, 225 years. So yep. we're, uh, we celebrated the right way, which was by keeping markets running very well. That's, that's it, a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 226 now. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's been super busy, especially in the exchange-traded products world. Yeah. No, no surprise, but uh, How yeah. How many products have listed with you guys this year? We have, uh, as of this morning, 145 new ETFs launched this year. That's crazy. 145. Yeah, so the industry, ton. well over 2,100 products. Is it now. any one issuer that's just, you know, popping out babies or? No, it's it's really well scattered. I think, you know, again, off the top of my head, probably over 20 or 25 separate issuers this year. Wow. So uh, more and more asset managers, I think out of that 25, maybe eight or nine are brand new. Ne- never had an ETF till this year. So, wow. Uh, a lot of entry point in, into the marketplace. Great for investors. Absolutely. Right? Because as an investor, you've got more opportunity and more choice, and you can tilt your portfolio the way you want to tilt it. Sure. And and, and is this mostly passive product, active product, a little bit of both? Like, it's, what are people yeah. watching? It's a it's nuts. a bit of everything. Uh, it's hard to categorize. The, you know, the active. I just read uh, well over a hundred billion dollars now in active uh, ETFs. Wow. So people tend not to think about ETFs as being active. Over a hundred billion in pure active. But uh, the majority this year, we've seen a lot of fixed income. Okay. We've seen a lot of uh, smart beta, and we've seen a lot of thematics, right? Okay. People, people looking to tilt uh, their portfolio along a, a theme. Okay, great, great. So let's, let's, let's walk a little bit down memory lane here. I don't think we did a good job of introducing you last time here, but, um, you know, you, you've been around a little bit, but first, you know, you started <laughs> You're saying I'm old. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. That, that I mean, we'd have to get human resources or something <laughs> like that involved. I may have just like, oh, whatever. 
Anyway, uh, you you went to Penn State. I did. Yeah, I yeah. did my undergrad. I, I didn't know where when we said memory lane. I didn't know where we were starting. Uh, but I thought maybe we were going further. I, I, I actually met my wife in first grade if we wanted to start there. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. No but, kidding. Uh, yeah. We grew up together. That's crazy. So, uh, and we started dating in senior year of high school. That's really cool. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I went to Penn state. Uh, so any, all the Nittany Lions fans out there, that was my undergraduate. We are Penn state. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. uh, now that I've got still make it back every once in a while, ever, it's been a little while. Uh, kids will slow you down when you've got a l- long drive uh, out to I the middle of Pennsylvania. Yep. Uh, but now that they're older, it's actually fascinating to have a 13 and 11 year old uh, watch games now and, and get into it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- there was a whiteout at the game recently. So have they ex- been out to Beaver Stadium yet? It's uh, it's top of the list now. They're excited to go. Ooh, so we're going to take them. Yeah. Night game. It's, night game in Happy Valley is pretty crazy. Yeah. So, uh, Still watching a little little Penn State football, but more probably on the on the professional side these days, from what I understand. But hey, you also went to Villanova too, That's so right. I mean, man, they crushed it in basketball. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'd mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of people had said, you know, why Villanova? And uh, it wasn't because it, it was a great basketball school. It, it, apparently, it, it was sort that'll of, probably disappoint sort of. so many listeners. No, it know? it actually was you know two things. That one was actually the basketball program. Not so much that it was a great program that I would to, I wanted to go and watch games right as an MBA student, but more so if I knew I wanted to work international at some point, and I felt like they had not only a great international business program, but they they're also, not number one by the way. They're they're not they're not. Gamecocks are of, of international business. Yeah. Number one business school. Okay. University of South Carolina. Okay. So, yeah. So they've got that. They, yeah. Them, which is good. Villanova shoots hoops <laughs> a little bit yeah. better than we do historically. <laughs> but, uh, so the, there was the international business. Yeah. component, And then I knew, uh, if I could try and open some doors internationally, one of the ways, right. Is a, a common theme to be able to discuss something. Right. And if, Every door I could knock on in the Asian market, somebody knew something about basketball and they'd heard of Villanova. I felt like maybe that would help me. And it did it? It, it did. Uh, maybe it did. I didn't need it. Maybe I did. But uh, I ended up working in Hong Kong for three years right. and uh, helping to launch a pretty big business over there. So it was a very exciting time. And uh, you know, I was able to check some boxes throughout my career. I spent a long sure. time working in and out of London, working in and out of Canada. Uh, in and out of Australia, some of the Latin American markets, just launching ETFs throughout the world. Yeah, and and you did that for uh, Vanguard, and you started more on the your trade liaison equity block trading. I mean, we were talking about liquidity last time on the show, but we didn't even we didn't even give you a, a, a solid introduction in that you have a lot of experience in that. Yeah, I mean, most of my career has been in the equity trading markets. Uh, one of the earliest projects that I was handed was when the SEC mandated some regulation around best execution, as well as how broker-dealers would actually route their, their orders, and you needed intelligence in executing your client orders. So you needed to, to not only think about how you were sending them, which direct where you were sending them, but then also prove back to everyone in the world publicly that you did due diligence on executing their trades. And right. so I spent a lot of time in my career thinking about how you should best place orders uh, first for equities and then eventually ETFs. All right. And then so you were doing that for quite a long time. And, and then you kind of, you know, that was almost 10 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, building trading solutions and such for Vanguard. And then you moved along and you were heading up 
uh, ETF capital markets for them. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting function. Didn't exist that many years ago, but the idea of this ETF capital markets team, a team that's there to help an ETF issuer uh, and their clients execute trades. Right. And they help them either one-on-one. So, you know, you you would get on the phone with a client and they say, hey, I'm looking to add a very sizable position to this ETF. Right. How, do, how do I do it? Ooh, this is, <clears throat> we're going to delve more into this in a second. So. so that was a big portion of the role. The other part of the role was behind the scenes, making sure that you're working with all the liquidity providers in the exchanges and figuring out programs to actually have as much liquidity showing they're ready in the market right. on, on a moment's notice. Uh, and getting getting everyone ready to trade, even if a trade doesn't come through. So it was a behind the scenes plus in in front of client type businesses. Okay, cool. And then, and then uh, this is where the international experience and, and your MBA really came into into usage. Uh, you were heading up uh, building their ETF business, Vanguards in Asia, right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, I spent a long time working on the development and launch of uh, ETF usage ETFs for Vanguard in, in Europe. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, in Canada, uh, I was working pretty heavily with the Australia team and then ended up moving full-time out to Asia. And so we launched the, the both the business operations and then ultimately ETFs in the Hong Kong marketplace uh, while I was over there. Incredible. So, yeah. And then uh, you headed up domestic equity uh, index ETFs and ETF product management after that. Yeah, I came back to the U.S. Uh, with uh, with my family and, you know, incorporated back to headquarters, helped to expand the the lineup for, for Vanguard at that time and, uh, and, and was working on, you know, again, trading, efficiencies, uh, new product development, really everything to do with the ecosystem of ETFs when uh, when the exchange called. Right. And and now you've been at the New York Stock Exchange for three years. Happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm we're, right on top of my three year anniversary. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're, we're blessed to have you. Um, we, we've really enjoyed working with you so far. And so you're a big asset to, to the New York Stock Exchange, in our opinion. Hopefully they feel the same way. I've yeah. been there three years. Ho- but Hopefully. Yeah. You, you know, know, it's interesting. Um I always like to point back to it's probably because I'm a middle child, but uh, I'm a fixer. I, I love fixing things. Yeah. And, and that's uh, everything from, you know, components in an, in an automobile. And I've always loved my dad uh, being an engineer was a guy that just wanted to teach me how to do everything. And I, and I love it uh, all the way down to the financial markets. And what's been fantastic about moving away from an issuer and moving to the exchange is fixing problems in the ETF ecosystem. Yeah. Fixing problems with liquidity fixing problems with education and and it's sort of a greenfield space where when you're sitting at the exchange side you can actually say well are there things we could change in the plumbing that fixes problems downstream right and and, and i love it and and that's my focus yes so and, and we were talking about that i called you two weeks ago on on an issue and i get a call right back and and it's been great and you already have a solution yeah so i had a problem you guys already had the solution and it's coming which is pretty cool but quickly, before we kind of talk about ETF liquidity, which we'll have actually probably coming up after our break, right? Give me a little pitch. If you're an ETF issuer out there, why list with you versus a different exchange? And who are your competitors? Yeah, there's three ETF listing exchanges. There's the New York Stock Exchange. Most most people sort of nod their head when you say, yep. Uh, there's the NASDAQ. Again, most mm-hmm. people have heard of them. And then there's another exchange started a few years ago. Uh, and then purchased recently by the Chicago Board Options Exchange, SIBO. 
mm-hmm. uh, called Bats, right? SIBO Bats, and so there's three there's three exchanges out there. I mean, obviously, New York Stock Exchange has been around the longest. Most people know us. You've got the brand uh, there that you know we're by far the largest. We we have about eighty one percent market share. Where where we've had to innovate uh, along with the other exchanges is we're in a world now where the exchanges are all linked together. And so it comes down to, can the exchange build a better liquidity profile? Can we bring in more trading firms? Can we bring in um, more individuals and more capital that'll stay there all day, every day for an ETF and provide a better market? Like a one-stop shop. One-stop shop. So uh, how do you build a better market? Well, you have better spreads. So the cost of, you know, buying and selling uh, and more depth. So more shares available and uh, faster speeds and more reliability and all the things that come with building the best possible marketplace. Sure. So we pride ourselves on on making sure we're always number one across every category. Yep. So at the at the heart and soul of what an exchange does when an ETF issuer comes in and says, well, how are you at being an exchange? Well, that one's easy. We're number one. Yep. So then it becomes, okay, well, what else can you do, right? This is, right. This is 2018 going into 2019. It's no longer do what you regularly do. It's, well, what else can you do for me? Right. How do you add value, right? And that, and that, that became uh, our mantra for the last three plus years. And we've added value in a bunch of different ways, some of which is, is changing the plumbing and the way that uh, ETFs close every day. We, we've solved a big problem there. Yep. Uh, other ways, it's around building out the education Right. And so we've built this massive channel. There's over 2 million people now follow us across social media. That's incredible. And we produce uh, unbelievable ETF content. It's all on NYSE.com. And we bring in issuers like yourself. You've done this for us. You, you'll do many more. We, we, we bring in issuers, traders, uh, liquidity providers, index providers, the, the, everyone who touches the ETF ecosystem. And we say, come in here and teach us and, and educate all the followers of the ETF business. And so they come in and we, we do it across all the different social media platforms and we offer all that content for free and we publish it through our site, through our social media. And it's just a great way to build the pie, awesome. right? Because yes. it's, this is about growth of an industry and helping investors. And so it's, it's win-win. Good. Well, I think that's a perfect spot for us to segue into our next segment, education. I talked to, you know, probably thousands of advisors during uh, the course of a business year. And one of the biggest misnomers about ETFs is liquidity. How to measure the liquidity. Is it tradable? Is it not tradable? Everybody thinks volume is the number you need to be looking at. So we'll talk a little bit more about that right after the break. Are you looking for an active world of opportunity? WEI's actively risk-managed ETFs might be what you're looking for. Now is among the riskiest times we've seen, and too few investors are nervous, and they should be. We are the dividend ETF shop with a time-tested, active approach to risk management. We've dedicated more than 30 years to managing the loss of investor capital with active strategies and factor-based strategy models are part of our DNA. To learn more, go to WBIShares.com for more info. All right, and we're back. As always, you can check out uh, myself, WBI President, uh, on Twitter, WBI CEO Don uh, Schreiber Jr. on on Twitter as well, uh, Bull Bear Radio on uh, Twitter, and check out the New York Stock Exchange on Twitter. They're, they're, all their content's there. Uh, you can also check out all of us on, on LinkedIn, and uh, you can find Douglas Jonas over on LinkedIn 
And if you want to be friends, I, I can't, you know, vouch for uh, whether he will connect with you or not. But, you know, um, as long as you have a, a picture and a legitimate profile, I, I will connect with you. There you go. So if you need some friends, <laughs> uh, we all can be friends. But right now we're going to talk about how we can be business friends, um, you know, because liquidity's. Unless you understand liquidity, you may not be jumping into ETFs. I think a lot of guys have been taught that uh, ETFs are like a stock. They trade like a stock. And, and therefore, volume, you know, is what people look at. And either it's tradable or it's not tradable. Yeah, but that's not the case, no, is it? No, and it couldn't be more wrong, right? We're, we're looking at a we're, – we're using volume as a measure for something that it, it shouldn't be used at all. You know, and I always think back at, you know, we're Wait old enough. Wait a second. <laughs> you, did you just say volume should not be used at all, at all. in determining liquidity in an ETF? It, it is not. You know, I always think, is what I was going to say, think back to my mathematics engineering I side. need a sound effect. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's mind-blowing. When you go back to mathematics, right, it, we would have X plus Y equals Z, right? Yeah. And, and then take your equation from there. When when If Z is the liquidity of an ETF— the, the the volume of that ETF is not part of the the part of the the equation. It's just not in there. What is in there is the underlying components of the ETF. Okay. Right. So every yep. day, WBI and every other ETF in the world publishes something called the basket. Okay. And that is the way an investor uh, creates shares or redeems shares. And and so people should be looking at the basket. The is basket. what you're saying? The input is the basket. Okay. And so when when we look at the basket, that basket could be cash. That basket could be 50 stocks. It could be the S and P 500, 500 stocks. It could be 1500. Right. It it it's whatever that basket is. That's what the market maker has to go buy or sell and then deliver to the fund in order to get the ETF shares. Right. Nowhere in there did I say that the market maker had to go and buy the ETF and deliver that. They're not delivering the ETF. They're delivering right. the basket, and they're trading the basket, and they're using the basket to hedge, and it's all about the basket. It's all about the basket. It's all about the basket. We're, we need some, uh, Megan Trainer to come sing the song for you for your next It's all about the basket. It's all about the basket. It's all about the basket. All right. I, I, you know, fitting from the guy who, who go, went to hoop school, right? <laughs> it's about the basket. It's all about the basket. So, um, you know, talk to us a little bit more about this. I mean, you've written a couple of things re recently, like ETFs, liquidity, or like catching a cab in New York City. Yeah, we, you know, I, I say it's so easy. It's all about the basket. But look, let's be realistic. People don't look at the basket. Right. right? We're getting this this question. This They're looking call. at the volume. They're looking at the volume. And they say, oh, well, I look at average daily volume, and it, it doesn't trade that often. And and it, it it's, it's irrelevant in the world of ETFs because, again— it's the basket. You know, it's the equivalent when you look at uh, an S&P 500 ETF. Are you really going to look at the volume of that? Or are you going to say, how easy is it to trade the underlying securities? Right. I mean, you're talking about the biggest 500 companies in America that trade right. all day long. Exactly. And when you break it down, almost every ETF out there, it's the same thing. I bet if we pulled every basket for every one of your ETFs right now, you you could probably trade, and I'm 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 saying these numbers, but I'm I'm going to look for you for recognition. Right. Probably could trade five, ten, twenty million dollars worth of that basket with no issue. When I say no for issue, sure. less than half of one percent of volume on every one of those individual securities. Right. Tiny. Right. Absolutely. So, so so as a market maker, as someone who's providing liquidity for your ETFs, if I'm the market maker, a client could 
buy as much as you want. Right. Double, double the fun today. I, it's a, All I need to know is if you hand me if, a, a if, billion dollars. So you could double the fund's size. That's right. In an ETF. In an ETF. Yep. In a day. In a day. And theoretically, you should get tight spreads. You should have you should have no problem with that trade. If the underlying basket is, is liquid. actually liquid. That's right. If it's not, then it gets messy, right? That's right. Uh, and and this, this, to me, is one of the biggest differences between an ETF and a mutual fund. So, you know, if you're used to a mutual fund, let's think about that for a second. I have a client in a mutual fund and they have, you know, $50,000 in there. Right. And then that fund, you know, it's, it's a $10 million fund. And all of a sudden, a new institution comes along and says, I want to double the size of that fund. I'm going to give another $10 million and, and buy. To that mutual to fund. To that mutual yep. fund. What happens? The fund manager is handed $10 million in cash, and now they got to go buy every one of their securities. They got to pay the commissions. They got to cross the spread. If it was a sell, they got to sell and, and create a taxable event. Right. That, your investor that already owned that mutual fund, what, they're not doing anything. They sat and they didn't, they're just sitting there. But yet, their their NAV is going to take a hit as a result of that fund doubling, right? Okay. Now, now let's say it's not a mutual fund; it's an ETF. Yep. Okay, they're going to double. Their, they have a ten million dollar ETF, and ten million dollars is coming in. Guess what happens? That investor, the new investor, that institution, they got to go and buy ten million dollars worth of the basket. Talk right. about that basket. Right. It's all about the basket. Right. They buy ten million dollars worth of the basket. They hand the basket to the ETF, and yep. they get their shares back. Your investor, no impact. That's right. They didn't pay the, the spreads. They didn't pay the commissions. If it was a sell and there was a taxable event, it didn't happen. Th this is why we love ETFs. Yes, it's easy. It's it's, it's, it's a it's lot. fair. Right. And easy. Yes. And they're more tax efficient. Yes. So it's not all about the daily volume. AUM doesn't even matter in that instance. That's right. Uh, with a small fund in an ETF, these things can get bigger quick. I mean, you recently posted an article from one of your counterparties and, and someone who's been working in this business a long time. And, you know, the average daily volume of some of these funds on one day snapshot in time, like increased exponentially. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll, and I'll so did the fun size. Yeah, Chris Hempstead, I've known him a long time. He's one of the traders at Deutsche Bank, and you know, I grabbed uh, a screenshot that it was a daily report he sent out. And he said, "Hey, by the way, there's been some extra volume in the markets. We all know this. There's been volatility. Right. In case you still believe the old misnomer that volume matters in an ETF, let me let me just demonstrate some of the shock to ADV, if you will." that we saw across all these ETFs with no problems whatsoever. And in some cases, you know, I'm looking at it now, uh, what is what one 69,824% increase day over day in an ETF. That's, that's insane. So if you're, you know, the numbers across here, 18,910% increase, 1,072% increase. Well, one of the top ones here in terms of estimated, you know, dollar volume by ADV was ag. Yeah. And and it's one of the more liquid bond funds on the planet. 638% increase in a day. Yeah, that's right. Almost 2 billion of additional volume executed in a single day on that ETF. That is not normal. It's not part of the average, but at the end of the day, no impact. And and did anybody complain about the spreads getting wonky or anything like no, that? No, because again, the basket is liquid. It's the basket. So what happens on a very large trade, buy or sell? The market maker has to trade the basket. And ETF issuers, like yourself, worry about that. They say to themselves every day, 
is my basket liquid? Oh, yes. yeah, it is? Good. Uh, I'm going to publish it. Is it? Is there a problem with uh, one of these bonds, one of these stocks? Is something happening? Oh, there is? I'll either take it out because there's a problem, or right. I'll substitute it with cash because cash is liquid. Doesn't right. get more liquid. And, and an ETF issuer can accept cash in lieu. That's right. So Yeah, and many times do. And then w- we think about some of the more illiquid markets in the world, like emerging markets. Right, and then they'll put the money to work over time? Or, or overnight. Okay. Right? So you, you can buy emerging markets like a Taiwan ETF. The, Taiwan's closed. Right. Uh, the, the market maker will, will hand the issuer cash. So yep. the basket's super, accept it. super liquid because right. it's cash. Right. And then tonight, the ETF and the overnight markets will go and buy the Taiwanese securities they need. Done. Right. Does, it, does it matter that the ETF itself didn't have a lot of volume? No. Had nothing to do with the equation. And that goes back to X plus Y equals Z. That's, that's incredible. There's, there's no average daily volume of an ETF in the input. Right. So that, that goes back to like you were, you were likening this whole liquidity equation to catching a cab. Yeah, I mentioned one of my roles earlier on across many of the global markets was building this capital markets team. Well, what do they do? One of the primary functions was they pick up the phone and they talk to uh, an advisor, they talk to an institution and they say, here's how you can trade. I can help you. Right. Uh, they were a concierge. You, you don't need that. If you're an advisor, you don't need to call the capital markets. What you need to do is catch the cab. That was my, my reference. I love it. And a good analogy. Right. Uh, and so the article I wrote again, it's on LinkedIn. If somebody wants to grab it, uh, the titles ETFs, liquidity and catching a cab. But the idea that I likened it to is, you know, in my phone, I, I, I use, you know, Uber and Lyft a lot. And if I'm, I'm in a market, if I'm, I'm traveling just because I'm looking around and I don't see an Uber or a Lyft sign or, or a taxi does not mean they're not there. Right? right. I pull up my phone. I say, I want to go here. So that's like the volume. And, and that's like, don't okay, see it. I'm about to order a car. I'm about to buy this ETF, right. but I don't see the car. Right. I don't see, you know, 50, 100, 300,000 shares available on the offer. Right. I want to buy 300,000 shares. I don't see it. Right. So I, I got to do something. In, in the analogy I use, you, you go onto your app and you can find the car. Same thing happens in the ETF market. You can pick up the phone. You can use chat. Uh, you can you can you can contact a capital markets team. You, all you need to do is tell a market maker, an ETF market maker, I want to make a large transaction. You don't even have to tell them it's a buy. You can capital markets. A lot of times, an investor would call us. They say, Hey, look, I want to buy. It's it's a it's a ten million dollar uh, purchase, w- w- but I don't want to tell anyone. No problem. What we would do is we'd reach out to the market making community. And we'd say, Hey, we have an investor. They're looking to trade $10 million. We don't even want to tell you if it's a buy or sell. Can you put $10 million, $11 million up on both the bid and the offer right now? And they're going to meet you in the market. You don't have to open a new account. Right. You don't need a, a one-on-one relationship. You can get one. A lot of these firms offer that. But if you don't want to do that, you're set with the brokers. You love them. And we, we would call and we'd say, hey, by the way, right now you can transact at the you know offer or offer plus two cents or whatever the number was. Put a limit order in for $10 million at this price, and they'll meet you on the exchange. That's great. And and that's it. Order gets done. Problem uh, solved. All right. Well, hey, you solved a lot of problems here today. That's so. it. That's as easy. You know, and you can make it uh, easier for yourself. You, you can set up the relationship directly with the, with WBI, I'm sure, with any of the issuers. Right. Or you can set up a relationship with each one of these trading desks as well. Right. right. They, they offer a front end side of their business and you can trade directly with an ETF market maker. Right. And if you're an advisor that's at a broker dealer, you can just call call your desk. You can call yeah. our desk. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, 
get it done. Yeah. The, the big thing that I always stress, right, is when you make that call, if you hit a broker, and nothing against a lot of the agency brokers out there, most of them by now have caught on to ETFs. Sometimes you hit someone who just hasn't traded ETFs before. Maybe the ETF uh, woman or man is out of the office that day. Right, right, right. And, and it's their backup. And she gets on the phone and she goes, oh, I'm looking at average daily volume. Now you know. You say, oh, don't look at that. If you could just do me a favor. Right, right. We're going to put a limit order in. And yeah. we're going to contact an ETF desk and we'll be able to execute the trade because it's up to all of us to find those stumbling blocks. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of times they're people. Right. Uh, but it's OK. It just means they haven't been educated. I, and I've heard that before, too. I was talking to an advisor that's at RBC and he says he gets laughed at when there's no volume in an ETF and he wants to go and buy. And, and, and I'm sure he doesn't have a problem. He puts a limit order in. He calls a market maker. He's done. Well, he could. Yeah. Oh, he's but, not doing but, it. But even their desk, you know, is... is it still needs to learn. Yes. You well, know, because maybe he didn't contact that ETF specialist. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an equity they're, guy. Yeah. They're, right. They're with the wrong wrong person. Right. Or maybe, and we hear this all the time, and, and I'll, I'll pick on RBC because you mentioned them. They've got a great lead market making desk. We, we have a great relationship there right. where they trade ETFs. They trade every ETF. They internally have someone, a group of someone's that could execute that trade in, in a heartbeat. No problem. Right. The, the big organizations, it's hard sometimes to connect the dots. And what we all work on behind the scenes is we try and figure out, okay, who are the buy side, you know, who's, who's the who's dot help, for you? Yeah. Who, who's helping the, the advisor. Right. And how do we make sure they know who to call just internally in their own firm to say, Hey, I've got a large trade for an ETF that doesn't trade very often. What do I do? And then actually execute the order. Great. And Great. So, and so that's up to each one of us to make that phone call. Sure. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on Bull Bear Radio. Always it's, a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to being back here next week yet again for number 51. Congratulations again. Thank, on 50 thank you episodes. very much. Thanks for coming on. And thanks for having me. All right. All right. That's it for Bull Bear Radio. We'll see you next week. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stocks discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time. And there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations services and fees are in the form ABV available upon request. You are not permitted to publish, transmit, or otherwise reproduce this information in whole or in part in any format to any third party without the express written consent of WBI Investments Bank. An investment in the fund is subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Investments in fixed income involve risk and may be adversely impacted when interest rates fall because the fund may be exposed directly or indirectly to lower yielding bonds. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. For prospectus and summary prospectus, visit WBIShares.com or call 1-800-772-5810. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Foresight Fund Services Distributor.